Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. Our scripture reading today is Hebrews 11:24 through 28, if you'd like to follow along. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Happy Sabbath. And I also welcome those that are watching us through the internet, those that are our members that can come, we miss you, and those that we should never met. Please show up so we can shake hands and eventually even eat a very nice potluck that we have here two Sabbaths uh, a month. My wife sent her regards. She wanted to be here, but like uh, last minute she decided to help there in Mount Pleasant because Catherine is doing her first sermon today in like years. So she wanted to be there like as a cheerleader to help her up. So may you folks uh, uh, Keep her in prayers as well. Today, I was planning to do something different. I was uh, planning for tonight, today to continue this series about the great controversy we've been uh, preaching. But the Lord has been impressing me over the past couple of days. And um, I, uh, to preach more about what I'm going to preach today, uh, because uh, I think we are on the edge of time. Like uh, Jesus is very soon coming back. And uh, although we all know that, I have the feeling we kind of forgot what that's all about. And uh, I think we are, in a way, losing our own identity. And uh, I don't mean, uh, as some people say, like losing your Adventist identity. I mean something deeper. I mean the identity that each one of us have in Christ. Like, uh, we are not defined by what the Word tells about us. We are not defined by how people see us, by what we have, by whatever. We are defined by what God thinks we are, what God dreams for us to be. But we have the power of choice. We can choose to be what God wants us to be. Or we can choose whatever version of ourselves we want to be. That's our choice. That's why I name my sermon. It's my choice. Because at the end of the day, although the Lord wants what's best for you, it's your choice to to decide if you want to be what he thinks is best for you, or if you want to be whatever you want to be. And what makes matters complicated is we have so many distractions those days. Issues from outside, like politics, social issues, even our own pride gets on the way, and like we keep uh, getting and feeding ourselves with things that uh, help us to go not in the way God wants, but in a way that uh, feeds our own ego or own, our own mental dispositions. And that are distractions that the devil creates for us. And uh, the other reason why I mentioned that, uh, that the title of this, the message today, It's My Choice, is because over the years, as I've seen like, people discussing issues on the church and getting very divisive, I haven't always uh, 
noticed that uh, people get too far to, to a position where they think they, are, they have the truth and everybody else doesn't. And they try to impose this to you. But they forget that not even God that created everything, that can do everything, not even Him imposes His will over you and me. He lets us to choose. He loves us so much that He values our free will. So what I want to talk about today is how we can live to the potential God wants us to live by choosing Him every day instead of the alternates, alternatives that uh, the world has to offer. Not all of those alternatives are bad. Some of, of them are even good and appealing. But if it's not what God wants for you, don't take it. But before we really dive deep on the sermon today, I want to invite you uh, to bow our heads and pray with me so we can invite the Holy Spirit to preach for us today. Let's, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the gift of life. We thank you so much because your Bible tells us that your plans for us are higher and better than our better plans for ourselves. Help us to recognize that and to live up to the potential you see it on us. Help us to be love and kind, not because we want something in return, but because we are imitating the being that we want to be like. We are imitating Jesus, that we try to keep always before our face. Help us to have the desire to make wise choices and to be Christ-like. Uh, we always uh, think we can decide when the time comes, but help us to realize that if we don't decide your way on the smaller things, we may fail uh, when bigger things come our way. We ask you, dear Lord, today special blessings. Uh, First, for my daughter that's probably right now starting her sermon. May your Holy Spirit be over her. And may you uh, use her to talk about your love to the, to the people that will be listening to her. I also ask special blessings for us here. May your Holy Spirit uh, come upon us. So we get out of our own ideas and allow his small, tender voice to speak to our hearts. Bless me. Help me to get out of the way and speak what you put on my heart to say. Help me to say what I have planned to say if that's what you want to, me to, to tell. And it's, help me to say what I didn't plan to say if that's what you want me to tell. Help me to be your mouthpiece. And help me to be used by you to bring forth your message today. That's what I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start with a story. It was a cold morning on the late 80s in Sao Paulo. Not Michigan cold, but pretty close. Uh, like it was just two degrees above freezing. And uh, I should have been on the top of the world because I was like pretty new on the faith. I was in what people usually call the first love. Like uh, I was at the time living in a board school on the outskirts of Sao Paulo in a school that back on the day was called uh, uh, Brazil's College. Today it's called Unaspi. The same school would graduate like a in my theology degree, 20 something, something years later, 27, 29 years later. And uh, I should be happy because in the way God led me to meet Jesus and give me his saving grace day after day and for uh, many different ways, including the story that I just told you 
you guys about uh, how he can save us from that uh, whatever my dad had planned, me and my sister, how he got us to a school where we could have a good Adventist education that something for us was foreign. Uh, and uh, a school that gave me opportunity to get involved in all sorts of spiritual things. If you've ever been in a boarding school, like they try to keep you busy with good things. And I was uh, getting busy. I was on the choir, I was doing all sorts of things, uh, prayer groups and whatever else got put in my way. Life was beautiful. And I was like kind of letting me being steered by the ebb and flow of life. However, uh, as is the case with all of us, we seldom really know how we are, especially on our spiritual, in a spiritual sense. We usually think we are better than we, than we are, especially spiritually. And uh, probably I was not as good as I thought as, as I was. If was not God uh, like a, if God didn't wake me up several times during my, my life, I probably would not be here today. Uh, not because I would be out of the church. I don't think that would be the case. First, because I was, uh, I'm, I'm very, I was very convicted back then, from the beginning, that Jesus was my Messiah, that Jesus was like the prophecies on the Bible, especially Daniel, like were so to the point, showing that he was real, that I could not deny it. And by the way I was seeing my, my church family embracing me, I felt, oh, that's the right place. So I, I was convinced, I was convicted. And so I probably would not be leaving, but I probably would be in a state that I think is worse than being uh, outside of the church. I probably would be just another Adventist that comes to church every Sabbath in a nice suit. I hope you think it's nice. I do. Uh, and uh, like not really having a life that's fully surrendered and fully dedicated to God. That's the biggest tragedy of all because that, uh, that is a roadie, uh, stumbling block for us to really understand how badly we need Jesus in our life. And since we think we are good, we, we kind of keep our life easygoing. We may even be participating in church staff, doing things for the, for the Lord, but we end up doing so for the wrong reasons and uh and that's a big tragedy but thank god because at least with me he didn't allow me to go that way every time i get that way and uh, it unfortunately is uh, more often that i would like to admit he kind of wakes me up the first one of those wake-up calls that i remember happened on that morning on that cold uh, morning of uh, September, like remember, uh, the seasons in Brazil they are inverted. So September is like uh, one of the coldest months. It's like or January or February. So in that morning, uh, was not only cold but was foggy. Like uh, that school was on the top of a hill, was uh, about. Uh, 3,000 feet above sea level. So it was a very high place. And when it wa was cold and was a particularly humid day, half of the morning, like, would be so foggy that we could cut with a knife. And uh, I don't know about you, but foggy days naturally make me reflective and kind of sad. I grew up in, like, a place where it's sunny all the time. So in the other part of Brazil. So, like... Cold was not my thing back then, and especially in a foggy day. So that was about 7.45 on the morning. 
I was uh, walking out of the uh, cafeteria. That's the time that they started to kick us out at 8 they close because 8.30 starts uh, Sabbath school and then worship service. So I, I was planning to go change and uh, then go to church. And uh, the, as I started my, my walk down the hill towards the main dorm, and I say down the hill because the, on the top, on the very top of the hill, there was the woman's dorm that we affectionately called the Desire of Ages. And uh, right there by the Desire of Ages was the cafeteria. It was like actually just an annex of, the, of that building. So the ladies didn't have to go out and in. They could just go internally and go to the cafeteria. We would have to walk like 300 meters or so. Uh, I don't remember how much that in, in feet. I didn't calculate before time. So, but probably 900 feet. Uh, so I had to walk that long down the hill and up to a smaller hill that, to our door that also had a nickname. The nickname was The Great Controverse. <laughs> and uh, not as appeasing, I know, but uh, what can I do? And uh, like I was going, already thinking what clothes I'm going to change, what I'm going to have to do. I had to do something in Sabbath school. Uh, was kind of a particularly busy day. And uh, like uh, from the, uh, like was like this, going down and then going up. When I was about here, I saw that there's a, a bunch of people with mus musical instruments but on the footsteps of my dorm. And uh, then I was curious, I kind of uh, 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 like uh, got to a faster pace because I wanted to see, I didn't want to miss, I thought it was something else. I had just recently missed something. They had like uh, every uh, September, they had something that they called uh, friendship uh, party or something, friendship week that like Either the, the men will do nice things to the woman and vice versa, special programs will be made. And like uh, on the previous Sabbath morning, I, I woke up with like songs being sung. I first I thought like, is that the second coming or something? Or like I looked around, everything was normal, ground was not shaking. So I thought I was having a dream or went back to sleep. Then people told me that the girls had come to make a serenade to us. And I missed that. So now I didn't want to miss whatever was going on. Uh, so I, I raced to, to there. And when I got close enough uh, to start to hear what was being sang, I saw a family there. And I recognized those people. The guy that was a family that was the family of the fiancé of my roommate. He was like on his fourth year of seminary. He was like ready to graduate. And uh, he was getting married on the end of this, this year. And his, fam his uh, wife, his future wife, family came to visit him. And they were serenading him. Like uh, he came and I, I stayed like a few feet back, like just watching and kind of enjoying the scene. And they started to sing a song. That like uh, I never had ha heard that song before, but it had a profound impact on my life. It made me weep. God used that song to speak with me and tell me that there was changes I needed to do in my on my life. Uh, I never forgot that song because the way God spoke through me on that experience, and I want you to have that experience. As well, that's why I asked Hillary to play that song for us. She's gonna play, she's gonna sing, and uh, uh, pay attention to the lyrics. And then you're gonna understand why, after I heard that song, I raced to my room and I was in tears.
You get the point. I felt like um, I need a change, not only of clothes, but I need a change of my soul. I felt that I, I had an awesome friend that I had been neglecting. Although I was, I was busy doing God things, doing good things. Sabbath school, teacher, pathfinders. I was a counselor on pathfinders. I, doing all sorts of busy work. But missing that friendship, that and uh, that music somehow cut through all of that, and I could not help. I cried, and I ended up getting late to church because I needed to recompose, and uh, uh, I felt grateful because I felt that probably one of the first times I felt God speaking to me so directly, telling what I wanted to hear, what I needed to hear, to the lips of somebody else. And uh, I'm grateful for that and for all the other second chances he gave me throughout my life. And uh, I hope the sermon today, it's one of those wake-up calls for you as well. So you remember that uh, you have that friend that you need to be with him daily and constantly. He wants you to call him friend. He wants to call you by, his, by your name. He wants to, to walk with you and he will protect you and he will enable you to do what he asks you to do if you are connected with him. And uh, that's that's my goal of today, for, for you to discover that God has a plan for you. He has dreams that only you can fulfill. He has identity already fully developed that you just need to embrace as you walk with him daily. And uh, embracing that identity is the only way you can have fulfillment, you can have happiness, and you can have peace. So, Let's go to our Bible reading today and let's see how those things connect. Uh, open your Bibles on the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 23, I mean 24 to 28. Let me read the first two verses first. Hebrews 11, 24 and 25, I'm going to read now. I'm reading from the NIV. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing harder to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Steaming, let me read verse 26 as well. Steaming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He looked to the reward. Did you ever really stop to think about those words? Most of us, as we read the Bible, we just pass by it like for a casual reader. No big deal, like uh, uh, that doesn't mean much. Because we don't really think how serious is that situation. Like first the Bible tells that was when he came to age. Like coming to age for us is like, depending on the culture, 16, 15, 18, 21. Those are like the typical coming to age uh, that we have today in modern times. And uh, his day, that was the 30s and 40s. That's when we really become a man. So when he got to that point, he was faced with a choice. Uh, a choice that in itself 
we don't pay a lot of attention. Uh, his crisis, when he said, I don't want to be called the son uh, of the Pharaoh's daughter, was not an identity crisis on the sense that he didn't know that or that he wanted to add something to his identity. His crisis is because he was the next in line to be the Pharaoh's successor. And that in itself is a miracle if you stop to think. Uh, how could a boy that was rescued out of the Nile to a boy from a different culture, a different ethnicity, uh, how could a baby that was supposed to be killed by Pharaoh's own orders being now adopted by Egyptian family? And not any real family, the real family for everything. And then that kid get, gets thrown in the Egyptian educational system, did his college, master's, PhD, became a general, became grown up, and was faced with that choice. Should I become the, the next one in line? Should I embrace that role? Or should not. Like uh, he uh, his life was a miracle. He was drafted from nothing to be the next in line to be the leader of the largest nation on earth on his day. And uh, I'm sure there's people here that are interested enough on their own backgrounds, that they know that uh, they should not be here today. Like they know that like they uh, were born or their family came from places that could never lead to here. That they drive cars they're not supposed to be driving. They went to schools that, humanly speaking, they're not meant to be. I'm sure there's people here that uh, face during their lives, like, looking back, how come I arrived here? And you are living proof of what happened with Moses. In the same way, God led Moses through miracle after miracle after miracle to the position where he was. It's the same way God had led you. And if you don't have any one of those stories, think back. Because I'm sure you're not looking hard enough. Like uh, each one of us are not here by chance. We are here because God led us. Whatever we acknowledge this or not. And that's exactly what happened with Moses. He grew up. He was mature. He, wa he was raised and went to the best schools. Knew everything that the Egypt had to, to say. To the point that... Uh, the book of Acts, talking about Moses says, Moses, that's Acts 7, 22, if you want to follow in your Bible. Moses has learned, in, he was learning all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was mighty in words and in deeds. So at that point in life, he had mastered everything that made Egypt a great nation. He had seen it all and done all. It's not unreasonable to think that a man on his late 30s and early 40s being raised to be the next in line for the kingdom, he already had like uh, led the Egyptian armies in battles. He already came victorious. And that's why he was being acclimated. And uh, by the way, the Bible talks about Moses. He was a sharp guy. Like here, the biblical author is saying that he uh, was mighty in words and deeds. He was a smart guy, a good public speaker. When he spoke to the multitudes, everybody like, and that was Moses. And uh, Moses was an awesome student, not because. Uh, 
he was specifically intelligent, but because God had blessed him and had allowed him to be what he was, because God had a purpose for his life. And uh, the Bible says that like uh, he was powerful. He probably was some of one of those that you probably had on your classroom, like those guys that are always with their hand up, like the teacher asks and uh, those get in, uh, into, my, into my nerves. I don't claim a lot of those that I couldn't beat, but every now and then we find somebody that uh, like it's, and that's annoys you. Moses was one of that. Not because of his own. And he knew very well that that was not in him. He knew that that was God's gift. Like, uh, if you, I won't read for you today, but if you read a nice book called Desire of Ages, not Desire of Ages, I'm thinking on the girl's door, sorry. Uh, if you read a nice book called Patriarchs and Prophets, that talks about like a biblical commentary that you can read in a devotional manner, on the chapter that's talking about that occasion, uh, the author called Ellen White tells that he is, he was like on his prime. He was so beautiful that like, and that's, I'm using my words to describe what she said. Like if he walked here today, everybody will look, men and women, like, wow, that guy. And that was not only his, if he was only beautiful, only a pretty face, okay, but he was also very smart. He had gone to all the training. But the point of uh, where he said, like, I'm done with this. I don't want it. Is because he needed one more thing to do before he went and uh, received his full regalia as the next one. And that one thing he didn't want to do. Like uh, what the book says, the author here of Hebrews actually hints that he doesn't go to the full details, but that's what the uh, the book is for. He needed to be uh, initiated in the priesthood of the mystery religion of Egypt. He needed to become one of them, and he knew very well who he was. He knew that. Everything he got was because God had blessed him. And he knew very well that like uh, my best day, uh, I mean my worst day with God is better than my worst day with my backs to God. He knew that very, very well. Uh, and uh, I don't know how many of you can really imagine the grandeur of that situation because that's not a reality as far as I know nobody here is like on the risk of being drafted to be the next US president right that's not me Uh, so I don't really know what that kind of pressure but in a way I know because God gives to us what we can take. That's what uh, the book of uh, Corinthians t- tells us. That God only allows trials to come over us. That are up to what we can take. He knows and he doesn't allow anything that's bigger than we are. So I may not be big enough to resist this. But whatever comes to my, my way. I am but regardless the size of the challenge, the important thing is not what the day of the trial and how I react that day. It's how I make the small decisions of my life that leads to that. A battle is won not on the day that it, it, it happens, but on the days and years before that in preparation to that event. If Moses didn't have that connection to God, he could think, okay, I can use that for good. So I'll put up with it and let's go. But what Hebrews tells when he hints about that, let's go back to Hebrews. And in verse, uh, 
27. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Or like another version says, another, uh, a newer version of the NIV says like, but he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Do you want to be like Moses? Seek God's face. If you see God's face, he's going to give you the endurance to survive. He's going to allow you to uh, have the strength to say no when the trials, when you are tempted to compromise. Seeking God's faith, face is the most important thing we have to do. But the problem is we have so many distractions. We are all fascinated about many things that distract us from who we really are. Like we are all fascinated, for example, for politics. And they let us to be polarized. They create confusion in homes and even in churches. Uh, like they cause division. Uh, I could not care less about it. Uh, I was raised in a family of politicians. Like, and I know how old they are. Like I had uh, like on my immediate family, like uncles, grandpa, like governors, senators, uh, uh, mayors, and so on. The list goes. So I know that behind closed doors, they are all the same. They all like each other, although they, from the, their pulpits, they may attack each other. They are all the same when nobody's looking. And uh, I can tell by experience that uh, like, uh, the, those things that get us so much in flames, they are things that are led by the devil to distract us, to create confusion among us. We should never forget that God didn't raise a, this church and didn't got you from where you came from to, uh, to allow yourself to be distracted. He raised you and he raised this church to be a witness to the world, to be his arms and legs wherever we go. He raised us not to follow the donkey or the elephant. He raised us to follow the lamb. That's what we are meant for. The same point is valid for other things that can create havoc on the church, like ideologies they, that are like so much creeping in. They may even be important issues, but they are usually dealt with, not by the way Jesus will do. They polarize people, and nobody, we want to align with whatever, and nobody thinks that like in whatever issue, uh, the truth is not on the left or on the right, it's on Jesus. He should be our guide to discern how to react and how to, to discern. And even as we debate, we should do with his spirit. Not creating animosity and not any of that. Why? Because that distracts us so much that we stop to think what God wants me to do today. What is that I should be doing today? I'm here to represent him. Am I representing him in this that I'm doing? If we allow ourselves to be distracted, God cannot use us as he did with Moses. If we get entangled with those things, even our own ego, our own desires of greatness or whatever, those things may lead us to live a dual life. We may be still coming to church, doing everything that we think we can do, but our minds and our hearts are elsewhere. And if we don't have that same uh, resolve, if we don't that Moses had, if we don't humble ourselves every day and allow God to be God on our life, if we don't uh, realize that like our best day 
doing things that are against God's will is not even par to our worst day with God, that changes our perspective. Like uh, Moses grew up day after day like uh, with a faith that started even before he was born. If you read verse 23 that we skipped, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So faithfulness is contagious. It rubbed off from his parents to him. And uh, I cannot think how those first six or seven years of his life were because the Bible says until he was like six or seven years old, the age that people usually stop back then to uh, drink her mother's milk, he was sent back to the son of, uh, to the daughter of uh, Pharaoh. So at that early age, he was already firm in his mind that he would serve the Lord. Because the parents dedicated themselves to do that. So I want to make a quick pause for your parents here. Like I see many with small kids. I know they're a good bunch with not so small kids. And uh, although I'm not seeing any grandkids here, but I'm seeing the, some of the gray hair. And I, certainly you, you do have some. Our job never stops. At some point, like Moses' mother and, and father, we can talk and point our, God, our sons and daughters to Jesus. After they grow up, we can still talk with them, but we start a new ministry. We can pray for them. And never cease praying. I cannot imagine how many years and decades that mom prayed about Moses. Knowing that he would be in a place that was not the best, probably was the worst that he could be with heathens, occultism, whatever, you name it. And that helped and gave him strength for day after day after day. He chose what's right. Till the day that uh, is uh, said here on verse 27, that he forsook Egypt, not by fear. And it's funny that in a lot of those biblical uh, cartoons, you see him fearing Pharaoh and fleeing Egypt because he killed Egypt. That was not the problem. If you know anything about uh, the world on those days, people, if you're a royal family, I could kill this whole church, nothing, nothing would happen with me. Because I'm royal. So that was not the problem. He was not afraid of Pharaoh's wrath. He was afraid of his own self. If he stayed much longer. That was a line he could not cross. And that's important because. I don't know if that happened to you already. It might. And it might happen again. Some, some days. God gives us the strength to go over a trial. And get to the other side. Other, other times. He tells us. Son. Don't go there. That's too much for you. Give up. Let it go. That may be. That may mean. Uh, losing a job. That may mean. Something. But if God tells you. Don't go there. Do like Moses. Flee not because you are afraid. Of persecution. Or anything else. But. Uh, because. The prospect of seeing God's face daily is most important to you than anything else. Because you know that if you see God's face every day, you're going to get to that new Jerusalem. That place that he had prepared specially for you and me. And uh, I can tell you, I probably should not tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Like, uh, because it's shameful for me. Like, the days 
that I can see God's face on the morning. And I stay with God as my friend. Those are the best days of my life. I do things nicely. I can do things well. Not because I'm special, but because God is enabling me. But the days that I neglect to seek God's face. Or the days that I don't keep up with the conversations throughout the day. Is the days where I fail and I usually do it miserably. Why? Because there is something in that phrase. And I hope you realize that like that's what, what, what uh, got uh, strength to Moses. Because he saw the face of the invisible. Through faith and through his relationship, through his daily devotional life. He saw who God was. Who saw he could have a glimpse of what God wanted for him. And he wanted more. And he kept coming. I want to share with you something that I came across with uh, in my devotional readings, just as in preparation for, for this. It's a letter from the author of that book, uh, Ellen G. White. She's writing to a church uh, uh, guy in Australia. And uh, I'm going to ask Aaron to read it for me. Can you come here, Aaron? May you use uh, your voice? A little bit. So are those uh, three paragraphs. Please read for us. The Lord will try every soul of us. As gold is tried in the furnace. Until the dross in the tin are consumed. And the refiner sees his image reflected as in a mirror. Therefore the trial is not to be a matter of discouragement. But rather as that which will increase our confidence in God. We need daily to show that we appreciate and have respect unto the recompense of the reward. We need not look for flattering hopes in this life, but by faith we may live as did Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the gospel of God than only to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a reason, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of reward by by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for endured as seeing him who is invisible. We are never to forget that we are to be proved in this life, and it is to be decided whether or not we shall be worthy to be counted among the members of the Lord's family in the mansion above. By beholding, we are to become changed in the likeness of Christ. We are to be one with Christ as he is one with the Father. We must not be greatly disappointed if we see those whom we have regarded as wheat manifested themselves as tares. Thank you, Aaron. That made me think, and yesterday, something happened that uh, was a good illustration of what really God wants for us today. Because, as I said in the beginning, we are living on the edge of time. We don't have time to fool alone. Uh, God is calling us to be especially His more than ever. And uh, yesterday, I had to go to what I thought was a quick visit to the eye doctor. I went there at 8.30 yesterday, thought it would be by 9.30 it would be out. I ended up staying to 11 something. Like uh, between eye drops and looks and lights. The, the last test that the doctor wanted to do with me was a test for glaucoma. And uh, that's an eye disease. And to that, he would uh, have to really point uh, something that was very bright to your eye. If you ever done one of those, like he, bre- he points something very bright to your eye. And like uh, his lantern had a, cha- a shape was a star-shaped lantern, and he said, look to that, uh, look to that star. And I started to look, one eye, the other eye, then the, many times, like, for something that seemed to be an eternity, and that was my last test. But the thing is, I had to drive, and I realized that after I went back, after I went out of this test, I still could see the star. Like that bright star was like right on the middle of my vision. Like if I 
if I was looking here, I would see the star right where Tony is. So I would like not even see his face clearly, like because the, that bright star was right in front of me. And that stayed for hours. That stayed for a couple of hours, she would fade. What's the point here? God wants us to see his face. If, he's, if we look his, to his face on the mornings, if we start our day uh, by beholding the face of Jesus, it's going to get imprinted on our spiritual retina. And we're going to see his image to the day. So when I see Tony, when I see, even if, if Tony does something mean, he usually don't, but if he does, I will not see him. I will see Jesus. And I will act like it because I know that Jesus is there with me. And his face, you get stronger and stronger if I keep coming every day, every day seeking to see him. That's what enabled Moses to stand tall when his probing days come. Because he sought, he sought for God every morning. And he kept God in his company throughout the day. Did you ever stop to notice that uh, through your day, God's right there? You may not see him because you didn't seek his face. But if you seek his face on the morning, if you really can see him before you even get out of bed, you can see him throughout the day as well. And that changed the way you dealt with people. Because then you know that you are in the presence of the Almighty. And you have to do differently. That's what God wants for you and me. Because he knows that like a, even the smallest thing that happened in our life for us can be a big deal. But if we have God on our side, no giant is big enough. No mountain is high enough. Is high enough. No sea is deep enough that he cannot open if you are with him. And that will give you peace even if you are being persecuted. Even if your life is not what you hope it is. If you have God with you, your life will be different. And then you're going to be recognized as somebody that walks with God as Moses was. He demanded attention not by his beauty. He demanded attention because when he walked on the room, people felt that God was with him. And maybe God be with us today as well as we look to see Jesus' face and keep his face before us throughout our days. I want to finish with a quick prayer because uh, I want to invite God and this time I'm not even asking for permission uh, to be with us today and to be our guide, to be before us. I'm going to ask God for us to be able to see him and be able to uh, be with him throughout the day. I'm going to give you five, ten seconds to pray, but I hope you see your need and I hope you see that we all need him, otherwise we break. And may God be with you. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we need more of you. We are tired to be actors, to put in a nice suit, a nice dress, to come and do busy work at your church. But we want to be transformed. We want to be your arms and legs to the community. We want to communicate your love and to have to live the dream you dream for us. We want to be able to accept our identity in Jesus. Regardless of the price we have to pay. May we accept your dream for us. But help us before we have to make that final and ultimate choice, help us to have the desire to seek your presence every day 
and to see your face until it gets imprinted on our spiritual retina. So as we go about our business through the day, may we see you wherever we go. May we have the real feeling of your presence. And may we uh, get overwhelmed by your love and by the blessing of your presence that uh, you can get through our thick school and uh, help us to become more and more like you. Dear God, after a long time with you, Moses not only started to see your face, but his face started to shine because of your presence. Please give us that experience. Help us to be so in love with you, so together with you, that at times our face may shine by your presence in our lives. Bless us. We are broken. We need your help. Forgive us for our sins and help us to accept your call to be modern day Moses, to be modern day Daniels, to be modern day Esthers, to be modern day Deborahs, to be modern day biblical heroes, living a life faith, not only on the times of trouble, but in every aspect of our life may we communicate to Jesus because we, we have seen your face. I now give a few seconds for those that are here and those that are watching through the internet to dedicate themselves if they really want that on their lives as I wanted. Help them to have the desire and help them to claim your name because you answered their prayer. Dear Father in heaven, hear our prayer. Accept us as we are. Broken, imperfect. But uh, help us to let the, our ego to step aside. Help us to empty our hearts of our preconceived ideas. And help us to offer our life daily to be filled by your Holy Spirit. Help us to see your face. And by seeing your face. And by being filled by your love. As we go out and about our business. May we carry you to wherever we go. To the point that people can notice that we are different. Not because we are particularly pretty or whatnot, But because they feel the aroma of Jesus wherever we go. Bless us. Keep us and help us to see your face. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.